Hey everyone, welcome to Season 3, Episode 19 of the Centennial Podcast. Today, we're just going to be covering everything about the trade deadline that happened just today. Uh, so yesterday, actually, Ottawa went out and made a couple of trades. So we're going to talk about the first trade, which was uh, Travis Hamanick from Vancouver to Ottawa in exchange for a 2022 third round pick, which had originally belonged to Vancouver, that Ottawa had gone in the Dodonov-Nick Holden trade. So we'll start off there. And Ben, and I'll let you kick it off. What do you think about the acquisition of... Uh, Travis Hamanick. Uh Yeah, I would consider it uninspired. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, we went out and acquired a guy. He has a 3 million cap hit for this year and next. He has seven points and 24 games played in Vancouver. So he's been out of the lineup a lot of the time. Uh, I, I actually don't know if it's an injury thing or if it's uh, like he's been in the minors or scratched things. So don't quote me on that, but I think it actually might have been because of his vaccination status. Uh, he didn't get it right away, so I think he wasn't able to play in some games. Yeah, I recall that and being then, the issue. Oh, too. really? And okay. then he was yeah. away for personal leave for a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so away for a combination of reasons. So, don't necessarily yeah. read too much into like how many games he's missed. But I, I, I think it's fair to say that this is like at ver- the very best an underwhelming. Um, acquisition i mean he's never had a positive course in his career uh seven points from 24 games you know this seems to have been done more or less on the advice of assistant coach jack jack capoano who used to coach him in his islanders days and you know i mean we're digging deep into the recesses of you know the last like decade to you know pull up you know, like some good words to say about this guy. It would just seemed, it just seemed like a classic, you know, like sends, you know, roster move of going out and acquiring a guy that doesn't make your team any better, that, you know, is going to become an anchor to, you know, like one of our defensive pairings is going to drag down someone who should look better based on their yeah. own ability. And, you know, doing it, you know, with like our pro scouting essentially being, oh, yeah, I used to play with that guy and it was 10 years ago, but I think it was pretty all right. It seems to be kind of like the extent of the pro scouting that we do, uh, which is, you know, obviously we're going to get into that throughout the top today's topics. And at the end, we're going to discuss a little extrapolate a little bit more about like the direction the sense are going in. Uh, but I would just chalk this one up as an unforced error. Yeah, uh, and I mean, like, we—I might be surprised. We all might be surprised. He might be great. He might be a great character guy in the room. Uh, you know, he might be like a good partner for one of our defensemen uh, on the left-hand side. But I, I just—I'm not holding my breath. What do you think? I—it's—it's it's hard because uh, there was a point in time that you know Travis Hamanick was one of the cream of the crop defensive defensemen in the NHL. Um, now he's just a shell of his former self. And this is where the the biggest issue for me lies is that we clearly cannot learn from our mistakes. Uh, you look at two seasons ago, they go out and get Eric Goodbranson and Braden Coburn. Um, and then with this season, um, Hamannick had issues getting getting onto the team uh with his vaccination status um and from what i understand that he wore out his welcome in that locker room uh i i read something about that today that he was yeah. not liked um There's a tweet put out about that so i yeah. don't know exactly like the legitimacy of that but that is interesting yeah. if it's accurate I, I believe it was it was a quote that was on the um, the Dolly Wall show, or I, I it, you, he used to be a TSN reporter, um, and then they they axed the Vancouver TSN um, uh, broadcast network there. So, from what I understand, it it was legit, and you just have to wonder: does it? How many times do you have to word use the word fragile with with this this team? But it's a fragile group, and you don't want to to fluctuate with with bad vibes. And um, I think I you know uh, I'll be pleasantly surprised, but I would say this 
this is exactly an unforced error, like Bennett said. It's and and we haven't even talked about the fact that he was on waivers. So we could have got him saw, for nothing. No, so I actually saw that cleared up. So when he was put on waiver, that's when he was away from the team for personal reasons, tending right. to his daughter. And so apparently it was said amongst the league that he was being put on waivers. I can't remember the exact reason, but essentially it was part of that being way, which is why he was put on waivers. So it was kind of like a so it was like a, hush, a hush agreement decision yeah. to, it's, to it's not kind pick of like, him up. It's kind of like when Spezza went on waivers, the NHL agreed nobody would pick him up because Spezza wouldn't play for anyone if it wasn't the Leafs. So right. I, I can't okay. remember who it was, but yeah, somebody, I think it was Brennan uh, uh, Deltzer on uh, Twitter who, who cleared that one up. Okay. Well, if, if that's the case, then, you know, I'll, I'll rescind that statement. But at the same time, um, I saw a lot of things that were like, he played a lot with Quinn Hughes and Quinn Hughes always played better without him. Yeah. That's um, true. So a third round pick for a guy that, you know, very well could, could be, like they were trying to get him out of Vancouver um, and, you know, paying a third round pick is, is relatively steep considering what, what went for third round picks today. Yeah. Um, and to me, like, it isn't even the fact that you can draft a relatively good player at three or uh, with a third round pick. If you, if you have the opportunity, it's, you can use that third round pick to be an asset in a much bigger trade or as an asset to get rid of a, a bad contract like Zaitsev. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I will say uh, about it is, and, and this maybe doesn't help at all. And I know when I heard this, I was a little like uh, Dorian, I don't know if this is the argument you think it is. Um, but after the trade deadline, he did his presser and he essentially said that um it's a catch 22 because people want the team to improve, but then they get upset when the team goes out and spends assets to try and improve the team. Now I would argue that there were better ways to use a third round pick. Uh, but Dorian's reason was that Vancouver wouldn't accept a fifth round pick for him and that Ottawa didn't have a fourth round pick. So they decided to trade their third round pick. Now to me, it's like, okay, Ottawa already has their first this year, two seconds and before this trade, three thirds. So I could understand from their perspective how they said, okay, well, it's a third round pick and, and decided to do, the, to do the deal. But it's just too bad because a guy like Justin Braun, I know he's a UFA at the end of this year, but he went for a third round pick and he's a right-handed defenseman who is still very serviceable in the league. And I'm not saying that Hamannick isn't serviceable anymore, but sometimes I question how much is left there. And man, uh, like Bennett said, if next year he comes in and he proves us wrong, perfect. I'm just not entirely convinced that's going to happen. But um, anyway, uh, we can we can get on to the, the next trade, which I'm kind of excited to talk about. So Ottawa went out and they trade Nick Paul with 44.5% salary retained and get uh, young, well, youngish, 25-year-old depth forward, uh, Matthew Joseph, and a 2024 fourth round pick and it's Tampa's not Chicago's uh, yeah. just cause I know there was some confusion about that. It is Tampa's 2024 fourth. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I'll kick it off this time with, with you, Matt. What did you think about that one? I think it was a pleasantly surprised good deal. Um, I think uh, Nick Paul was really valued around the league for what he was going to be bringing to the team that he went to. Um, and it's, it's such a Tampa move, uh, you know, la like the last couple of years going out and get Bar Barkley Goudreau and, and, um, Blake Coleman, you know, buy low and getting at it, getting like solid enough players. I think those players are better than Nick Paul, in my opinion, but I think, uh, Matthew Joseph just he was never going to get an opportunity anywhere near the top six in Tampa um, and even even the top nine for for him would be tough uh, whereas with Ottawa like he very well could be sniffing that top six position um, as of tomorrow um, and very well he'll be playing on the third line for sure because that's where Nick Paul was Um 
I think it's a good move. And then you get a pick out of it as well. Uh, we didn't overpay for a guy who is who has a career 20 points, um, career high 20 points, and is a good penalty killer and good defensive player. Now we get a younger player who has the exact same amount of points this season um, and has a little more uh, defensive uh, or who has a little more offensive upside, but is still good defensively. So I think it was actually a really good move by Dorian. Yeah. And Ben, I'll let you talk about it too, but I just wanted to get my two cents in. I agree. Uh, I mean, analytically, I know that's not the be all end all of a player, but uh, analytically he, he looks quite solid. He's known by Tampa fans to be a great PK guy. Uh, which is perfect because that's what Nick Paul was for the Suns. Uh, but also, you know, I watched quite a few Tampa games last year in the playoffs. And even though he didn't always contribute, you could notice him on his shifts. He was a very noticeable player and not in a bad way. Uh, he's He's got the speed. And it's kind of like Formington where if he improves on, on those hands a little bit, then uh, that would definitely help out his offensive production. But uh, maybe, like you said, playing higher up in a lineup rather than being stuck on the fourth line would do wonders for him. And same amount of points as Nick Paul this year. And I think in about four minutes, average time on ice less than Nick Paul. So that's quite notable as well. But uh, yeah, Bennett, what were uh, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, uh, I think it's sort of a a like-for-like trade. You know, we get a player that fulfills almost the exact same role uh, as uh, as Paul did for us, which I think is good because his wasn't an important role to have on the team as like the guy who is a solid third liner who kills penalties and does you know has a high work rate and stuff that's all well and good but and i I wish we could have kept paul i think everyone wishes we could have kept paul but they were far apart in the contract negotiations and there was a lot of debate you know on twitter about whether you know nick paul is worth like a three million aav which is apparently what him and his camp were kind of looking for I would say not really for a guy that it's been demonstrated this season kind of has a hard ceiling as like a third liner because, you know, when he has played in our top six, he hasn't really looked like he's belonged there. And so getting a, getting a, a guy back who can fulfill a similar role on the team, uh, we retain some salary, got a pick in return. I think that's all well and good. Uh, there's also a bit of a, a bit of a vibes angle here because uh, Matthew Joseph used to play uh, uh, for Saint Jean, the same uh, Q M Q M J Q J M H L Q M J H L Q M J H L team as uh, Thomas Shabbat. So those guys know each other going way back, uh, which is always uh, fun to see. Something that the Sens love to do, and I don't think it's the worst strategy in the world. <laughs> Not. It's definitely not the worst strategy <laughs> to the sense of employed in acquiring players. Um, you know, the the worst strategy is everything else that we do. Um, but uh, <laughs> but that part is, you know, that's all right. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I think it was a decent move. I think uh, the guy, Joseph, has some potential upside, which is nice. He's a younger player, which is nice. Um, you know, all in all, uh, kind of a like-for-like swap that has the potential to pay off. And also adding to that vibes angle... So Dorian said that after he traded Paul, he called Shabbat and told him that, you know, he, he had traded Nick Paul, but he got a good player in return. He thought, and Shabbat asked who, and then Dorian said, we got Matthew Joseph. And uh, so Shabbat was all excited and said, yeah, like oh, nice. he's one of my best friends. So, there you um, go. so yeah, plays on that angle. It's kind of cool that Dorian called Shabbat after and told them immediately. Um, it sucks. Like I liked Nick Paul. I, I liked what he brought to the table and uh, I think he was a good depth player, but I also agree. I think that was his ceiling, you know, a third liner. Um, sorry about my congestion people. I'm still coming over a cold, but, um, but yeah, no, I think it'll be a good trade and I hope that he doesn't light it up going in the off season when the Sens need to then pay him as an RFA. <laughs> um, I hope that he looks good, but doesn't, you know, come in and play with like Stutzla and then get, I don't know, let's say like 13 points in 20 games to end the season or something. And then anyway, uh, but I do like the player. Uh, I like what he brings to the table. And I think that that was a good addition on uh, Dorian's part. Yeah. 
So those were the only two trades he made Sunday. Uh, then he went into deadline day and in the morning he had talked to James Duthie and he had told James Duthie that he could see the Sens making a few more trades today and that his phone had been quite active. Mm-hmm. So he, um, the first trade of trade deadline day was getting rid of the one, the only Joshua Brown. And I think Sens fans rejoiced when they had heard that Josh Brown, I was supposed to say Josh Norris. No. (laughs) Um, When Josh Brown was traded. So the Boston Bruins get Josh Brown and they get Ottawa's 22, 2022 seventh. Um, Yeah. 2022 seventh, but it's conditional. So the condition is that if Seneshin plays five games with Ottawa before the end of the season, the pick upgrades to a 2022 second or sorry, 2022 sixth. Uh, Seneshin was the other player included in the trade. Uh, some of you may remember he was picked by Boston in the 2015 draft, um, a few spots ahead of Shabbat. So, uh, in, and then, yeah, so Ottawa gets Seneshin and they get a 2022 fifth, which is Boston's pretty good trade, all things considered. And, uh, yeah, we'll go Bennett. You first, what did you think of that one? Yeah, I mean, this is just uh, this is just addition by subtra- subtraction, isn't it? Uh, uh, Josh Brown was a liability to this team. He made every pairing he played on worse. Uh, he was getting booed and heckled by Suns fans uh, at the games that I've been going to this season. Uh, he's just not a good player who made this team worse. Uh, so having him not play for us anymore is good. And I kind of don't even care who we got back. Uh, <laughs> we did we did get a player back. Uh, we got, uh, you know, Zach Seneshin, uh, which means that in terms of uh, our Zach quota for the day, we broke even, which is good. Uh, there should always be a Zach on the team, I feel. And uh, so now we, uh, and we got a 2022 fifth, like you said. Seneshin has since been sent down to Belleville in the AHL, uh, where they feel that uh, he can help uh, push this team towards uh, in their playoff push, which I think is good. It'll be a good experience for him. And if he can carve out a role for himself with the team later this season or going into training camp next year, then then great. Great to have options. Great to have competition. Uh, but really, I mean, the highlight of this trade is just that Josh Brown doesn't play for us anymore because he was terrible. And yeah. that was good. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more. I think he was a, he was consistently a defensive liability. I don't actually think he's an NHL quality defenseman. I think he's just six foot five. <laughs> I think Hamannick will probably be an upgrade on him. I'm not saying it's going to be a, an, an expansive one, but I think if, if Josh Brown is an AHL one or an NHL seventh, uh, Hamnick's probably sitting at a, you know, NHL sixth. I'm, you know, I'm okay with that. I, I hope this sort of means that Zaitsev is going to be out the door sooner rather than later. Um, I really like the getting, getting, uh, Seneshin just because I think it really bolsters the AHL lineup down there. Um, just gives, gives our younger players, uh, an, another option um, on on you know those top six uh, top six forward lines, um, and you know the pick is is fine too. Uh, you know, and then we give up basically nothing for it. We give up uh, a, a conditional seventh. I I think this was a really good deal, um, and I think we were all in a good mood because you know Forsberg had just signed as well um and Which we'll we chat about get that. to yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so it was just all good vibes at that point i think um and you know I, I, best of luck to Josh Brown maybe he finds his way in in Boston but he was just an atrocious defenseman here uh we also are now on team tank for the Boston Bruins because Ottawa has their third and fifth round picks in the 2022 draft uh, they acquired the third round pick at last year's trade deadline when they traded uh, Mike Riley to the Bruins. So we want the Bruins to do badly so that their picks are uh, more mid round, uh, mid round than a late round. That's what we're hoping well, uh, for here. Well, giving them Josh Brown is a good start. I know. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So right at the end of trade, or sorry, actually, I'm missing one trade. Um, another trade that the Suns made before the end of the day was trading Zach Sanford to the Winnipeg Jets. And in return, they get uh, Winnipeg's 2022 fifth round pick. So a bit of a downgrade for what they paid to acquire him. But I think when they pay, uh, traded, jo- or sorry, Logan Brown in a fourth to get uh, Zach Sanford, he had a good track record. He wasn't always a consistent player with the Blues, but he showed that he could play up and down the lineup. Uh, I think when he got to Ottawa, he was mostly playing down the lineup and that hurt his production. But I also found that it was hard to find him on the ice a lot of the time. And I know we've all discussed this in previous episodes, so we don't really need to dig too far into that. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, the Sens kind of downgrade their pick um, for having the player play for their team for about the full season. But I can't complain about it too much. I don't really think Winnipeg is going to go too far in the playoffs. So I think that that, uh, that pick will probably be a mid-round fifth. But you guys can weigh in. What do you think? Yeah, same deal as Josh Brown, addition by subtraction. Uh, Sanford hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't really been anything. He's just been kind of there. He shows flashes of skill and brilliance even from time to time. He has one of our hat tricks this year, uh, hilariously. Um, But, you know, that's punk. Those are, you know, brief like interludes from periods of extreme anonymity where he he's just invisible on the ice he doesn't do anything he doesn't even really look like he's got putting in a shift uh yeah. and so uh i think uh you know i i heard people say today that you know dj is all about you know accountability and effort and stuff which is positive and you know i think if we're trading a guy who has not shown that all the time then it sends like a good message as well uh, plus, it just seemed like he wasn't super happy here. I mean, like, that's not, like, based on too, too much, but just, you know, like, we have heard rumblings, yeah. and if you read between the lines of some of his press remarks and stuff, kind of seems like he hasn't had the time of his life here in Ottawa, you know, personally, which I can understand, you know, it's a big move. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I hope it works out for him, but uh, not not going to miss him. Yeah, Um generally a player that was basically invisible his entire career in Ottawa, other than a hat trick game and, you know, a couple good games here and there. He scored nice goals. Like he he has a nice shot and stuff, but the thing is, you know, he would score a nice goal and then, you know, you wouldn't see him for five games and then he might like randomly score a nice goal again, but like he literally doesn't do anything in the interim. and, and, And that's the funny thing. Like, he is a sizable boy. He mm-hmm. is huge. He and is a unit. He's a unit. And frankly, like, he does nothing with that frame. Like, he doesn't win puck battles. He doesn't hit. He doesn't, you know, do the stuff that you would assume somebody with his size would do. He's, he's a, he can be very flashy. Um, but I just, like... I've I've heard a lot of you know comments on his consistency and his his work ethic and and you know his play on the ice showed that um, and I you know you can read between the lines he didn't really want to be here and uh, now he goes to Winnipeg where it's even worse. Um, <laughs> well, hey, at least they'll uh, they'll get to sniff the playoffs. So yeah. he has yeah, that going yeah, for him. Yeah. And I, I mean, they'll be in like the playoff hunt mode. And I think that's always a good, good thing to be in for, yeah. for a lot of players. And I can't wait for the Sens to, to sort of be in that situation. And it, it feels so far away. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, we got a fifth for him. Uh, that Logan Brown, um, fourth round pick that we gave up can very well be coming back because there are quite a few injuries um, on St. Louis right now. So he's, he's getting into more games. If it's basically a Logan Brown for Zach Sanford trade, and you basically give up a, a fifth round pick or you get a fifth round pick for, for Logan Brown, then it's kind of a, a win. It's, it's null and void to be honest mm-hmm. though. Like Zach Sanford is, is 
probably going to to go into the annals of the NHL being a, a fourth line guy that can't really produce um, when he's not playing with better players. Right. Uh, well, the final trade of the day was Ottawa at the right at the cusp of the deadline. Um, <laughs> they, they managed to get uh, Michael McNiven goaltender who was actually traded from Montreal to Calgary for future considerations uh, not too long ago. And then Calgary traded him to Ottawa for future considerations. So, uh, wow, that future considerations guy is being traded a lot, but, uh, yeah, got traded uh, today <laughs> as well, uh, with, with Nashville. He, he was Damn. on the move a lot. So many <laughs> trades. Uh, yeah. So they pick up a goaltender. I think this was actually a good move, not giving up an asset and getting a goaltender because I think Gustafson needs to be in Belleville, not just because of his recent play. I don't fully put that on his shoulders. I just honestly think that it'll be good for him to get regular reps in in Belleville and have a chance at the playoffs. I think that'll be yeah. huge for him and him and Sogard battling it out for, for that starter role in Belleville. That's pretty cool. And I think that having that kind of challenge is going to only help Belleville to, to really take another step and, and hopefully make those playoffs. Cause they definitely deserved it. Was it um, last year where they were trending or the year before, I think where they were trending to make the playoffs and then the league shutdown happened. And that's when I think Batherson was down there and Norris and all that. Uh, so I think having Belleville get to playoffs will be nice, but it'll, it'll also be good just to go ahead. Go ahead. Go did, ahead. did anybody, did anybody know that? Like, I just found this out. Apparently Zach Sanford and Zub got into a fight at practice. Yeah. Apparently they had a bit of a, a brawl, but when did that no happen? Uh, I think it was like a week and a half ago or something. Why sounds, was this not in the news? <laughs> I I don't know. I think people were just kind of like, it was just the news of the day. I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I mean, just reading that, I'm just like, I'm happy he's out of here. Like <laughs> <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Sorry. We, we now have the E uh, I'll say heck that guy. And, and, our producer can fix it. <laughs> <laughs> we just have to put in a, a sense goal horn over the swear. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, so that was all the trades that happened. Uh, ben, I don't know if you want to touch on the, the goalie situation there. If um, Yeah. Well, it's a good opportunity to touch on the goalie situation and I'll just transition right into, you know, the sense goalie, goalie situation writ large. Cause uh, yeah, I think it's a good idea to pick up McNevin and just uh, stick him, have him back up Forsberg for the rest of this season. I think it'll be really good to get Gustafson back to the AHL, get him rebuilding his confidence. If they can go on like a nice playoff run with the Belleville Sens, that'll be really helpful for the development of a lot of the guys down there. Like you were saying, you know, uh, the Belleville was primed to have like a legitimate shot at like the Calder Cup in the season, uh, the, the 2019-20 season that got shut down. You know, we had Norris was having his breakout year down there in the AHL, you know, Formington, Brandstrom, all those guys were playing there. Uh, and, you know, they were poised to go really far. Unfortunately, that didn't happen because COVID happened. Uh, so I think Belleville, Belleville are due to have an extended look at the playoffs uh, and it'll be good for the development of everybody down there. Um, and then speaking of, you know, McNiven backing up Forsberg, uh, the other big move that the Suns did this morning was uh, signing Forsberg to a three-year extension worth $2.75 million a year uh, for three years, uh, which... Uh, I think was a smart move. Uh, you know, Murray's future with the team is up in the air at this point, given his inconsistent play and his injuries and everything. I think Forsberg has uh, arguably been our starting goalie this year, all things considered. I mean, he's already played 11 games more than Murray and Murray is done for the year. So that's number that gap is only going to get bigger. He's outperformed Murray in just about every statistic, wins, save percentage, goals against average this year. Uh, and uh, I think that he's earned a shot as, you know, an NHL starter. Um, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the team's plan next year. It might be a case of, you know, if Murray's back and he's healthy and he's still with the team, they might kind of do a 50-50 situation. But, uh, you know, the, the discussion today was all about whether this belongs in the same category as the other times, the sense of like extended a backup goalie, 
you know, <clears throat> on the run, on the back of, you know, a couple of months of really good play. You know, we did that with Condon and Hammond, you know, Nielsen, uh, all of those guys. Uh, but for all the reasons I said, I think Forsberg has essentially been our starter this year. I don't quite put that in the same category. Uh, and I think that we need some stability going into next year. And we know Matt Murray can't provide that at this point. Yeah. And yeah. I think piggybacking off that, uh, when you look at, at guys like Andrew Hammond, I think it was very predictable that his run of games was a flash in the pan. When I watched him make saves, like there were saves where he was in position and, and technically sound, and that's good. But there were a lot of saves where like he would sprawl across the crease to make some beautiful diving glove save or something. And that's just not going to work in the NHL on a regular basis. You don't get that lucky. And he made numerous saves that were like that in that run. And momentum's a hell of a drug. The race to the playoffs that the Sens went on there, hell of a drug. Uh, motivation to get another contract, for sure. And I know Forsberg in the same spot. You know He wanted to get uh, a new contract. But for me, when I watch Forsberg, he is a guy who is technically sound. And I, I know comparing him to Craig Anderson. It's like, oh, well, yeah, because he was the last, you know, stable goaltender that Suns had. But it's not just that. Like when he's in net, he never looks out of position. He doesn't make those diving glove saves. Uh, he did although make one of those against the Flyers the other night, uh, where he was like kind of gloved it, I think, across crease or something ridiculous. Um but anyway, overall, though, he is in position when he's making saves. He's very aware of where the puck is. He tracks well. And yeah, he's already 29. But I think some goalies are just really late bloomers. And he himself, when he was interviewed by TSN 1200 today, said, you know, the stability of being able to be in one city. Um, aside from that, I think he said getting a, a significant workload, uh, working with Zach Burke, he said he was a great goalie coach and that him and Zach Burke have a very similar philosophy on the goaltending position. Um, he was just riddling off a bunch of factors and why he thought his game had improved so immensely since he got to Ottawa. And so I think that really he is just extremely confident in his game now before he was being bounced around. And he was like, you know, I guess I'm just really not good enough to crack a roster he has cracked a roster and he's like really taking strides and showing, yo, like I can do this. Um, yeah. He has a nine eighteen save percentage this season. And there are games where he has been lit up. It's not like there's rarely yeah. been any games and you know, he's always just had good results like Hammond for the most part in his run. No, he's had those devastating losses, but he comes back and almost every game after he bounces back with a solid performance. Every once in a while, there's a, a few goals that go in that you're like, uh, but they've been happening less and less. And he's just consistently the best option for the Sens. And sorry, the one last thing I'll say for my rant, uh, he said that the, the coaching staff having confidence and faith in him and the team having confidence and faith in him also really gave him a, a morale boost. And I honestly think that going to next season, uh, if Murray can be healthy and play how he was playing for that one month stretch when he was healthy, uh, that would be huge. And having Forsberg as your like 1B would be awesome. Um, we'll see what happens going forward and uh, I'll leave it at that. I'll, I'll let Matt get into it <laughs> from his perspective. Yeah, I think it's a, it's an excellent, excellent deal. Um, uh, Forsberg has been the guy most of the season. Um, and for a, for a good while I advocated to, to sell high, but at the same time, did. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, like you have to look, uh, contextually at the situation and see that I don't know if Matt Murray's going to be able to ever play a full season again, considering his, his injuries. Uh, he's been on the IR with the senators seven times. Um, that's, that's a lot in two and seasons in two seasons, <laughs> actually, um, a season and a it's half like a season yeah, and a half. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he, has had trouble finding his game. Um, and you know, this is, this is where I look at the, the, the third round pick where we gave up to for Travis Hamanick. And I kind of look back at it and I'm like, you know, that could have been a piece of, uh, the puzzle for a Matt Murray trade. Um, you know, uh, a team like Arizona does not have goaltending depth. 
They don't. Uh, you, they signed Vimelka, who is looks like a solid backup. Um, but you know, if you can maybe coax them into taking Matt Murray's contract, and you give up a third and a second or so, uh, of something to that effect, you should probably do it. But now they're probably going to have to look at a buyout or trade in the off season because I don't think Matt Murray's going to play another game as an Ottawa Senator. So it, yeah. it's a, a worthwhile deal. Um, and then next season you, you run a tandem of Swedes and, and it's, it's, it'll probably go much better uh, with both of them knowing um, that they can, you know, share the net, have a little more consistency and, um, you know, not have to worry about the, the whole uh, merry-go-round with Matt Murray involved. Yeah, it's kind of interesting though because after the signing happened, uh, like when Pierre Dorian was doing the media presser, he said that he felt like Matt Murray would play before the end of the season. He said that he'd like for Sogard to get a game or two in. Uh, he said Gustafson as well. He'd like to see him play uh, a couple more. And and he also said if Mando Lise hadn't been injured, he would have played a game. So it's very interesting that all these guys, they want to get tested um, in some NHL action. I'm kind of wondering, now this is just a hypothetical. We don't have to get into it today. It can be a, a something to think on. But I kind of wonder if in the offseason, Ottawa leverages Gustafson as a trade chip. Um, it's ju- just a thought I'm putting out there. We can think on it. But uh, with his contract being uh, not waiver eligible next season, it's just something to think about. Um, going back to Forsberg, though, Dorian also said that Forsberg is one of the hardest working players of, you know, defensemen, forwards, goaltenders that he's seen in his tenure as GM of Ottawa. Uh, And then he brought out the advanced analytics boys, Dorian advanced analytics. Uh, He said, (laughs) he said that Forsberg had a high GSAA, which is a goal saved above average. um, And that he was one of the top goalies in the league in that category. And he also said Twitter would go crazy though, if, if he was wrong on that one. But um, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, Forsberg's been providing excellent goaltending. And that's, I think, really all you can say. And I think at the end of the day, he earned that contract. And he's not like his predecessors, I, I, in my opinion. I, I like Anders Nilsson. I forgot to mention him, but concussions derailed and ended his career. He wasn't a bad yep. backup for the Suns either. So I think, and, and context, like contextualizing those signings, uh, is important as well. Um, what a lot of us didn't realize, and it didn't come to light until recently is like Mike Condon had a really bad hip issue. That was basically like the end of his career before it even was able to take off. Um, and then Andrew Hammond, that was, you know, you could see it coming a mile away. Um, and then Nielsen, like he was excellent. He was awesome. Yep. The signing made sense. He comes in and uh, I don't even think he, he gets to play uh, the, the, the season after he, uh, he signed because he, he had the, uh, the concussion and the concussion kind of, he, it ended his career. So I think you look at Forsberg, he's playing the best hockey of his career. He's not getting hurt. All of these things are sort of like, sort of looking like it's going to be a good signing. Yeah. On that note, Bennett, did you want to add anything before we uh, finished off here? Uh, no, I don't have much to add beyond that. I mean, I think uh, Forsberg has earned this opportunity. Um, he's earned the crease this year, and. Uh, you know, I'm a little worried about the goalie shuffle that Dorian was referring to. I don't think that strategy really makes any sense. But uh, I, practically speaking, I don't see a role for Murray uh, this season and maybe even beyond this season. Uh, so I think, in essence, it will be, you know, Forsberg and one other guy for the rest of this year. Uh, all right. Yeah. So next we'll, we'll pick it up and we'll just kind of talk about what you guys think post deadline, uh, how the team looks. I mean, I know there weren't a ton of roster changes, but a couple new players coming in and, and just what do you think about the team going forward from here? I, I don't know. <laughs> I think, it, I think it's, it's been a really disheartening couple of weeks. Um, 
not not being able to see the consistency uh, with the team uh, because of injuries or or shuffling in the trade deadline and all of these things, it it begins to add up. Uh, and I you know said at the top of the show, going and getting a defenseman like like Travis Hamonick doesn't make a whole lot of sense um, because they're probably younger um, and still veteran options, but younger options that are probably better. Um, you know, you mentioned Justin Braun, who's still better, but I think they're around the se- similar age. Yeah, he's a, he's a few <laughs> years older. Braun's 35. Yeah. The, the issue for me, I think, will continuously come down to Pierre Dorian and his pro, pro scouting staff. I don't think they are able to, to do what, um, what is needed at an NHL level. Um, Dorian consistently takes things personally. Um, in, in that presser, uh, you know, he was, they, they didn't have a fourth round pick. So they gave them a third. And I mean, <laughs> uh, that seemed odd to me when you could just be like, well, I, we're not going to sign Johnny Tyconic, so take him. You know, he's from BC, probably would love to sign there. You know, look at your prospect pool, the guys that aren't going, like probably don't have a future because you have the outlook at that position. It, it's not going to work for you. To me, that like that's such a ridiculous thing to say like you don't go out and say well you know we backed ourselves into a corner and we had to give them a third because we didn't have a fourth yeah my god um and then the like the pro scouting side of it uh you know hamnick is past his prime uh you know good branson was never hit his prime um, and then, you know, Josh Brown, like all of these guys, look at all of the, the ins that have come into the organization through uh, like the, the players that Dorian has traded for or waiver claimed or what have you. Also, Victor Mete is still on the team. I totally forgot about that. Um, I just like, I don't know. I have a lot of trouble thinking positively and like looking to the future with this team, because we also just got told like, well, this isn't the final team yet. So like have patience. It's like, bro, you've been telling us to do this for freaking four years now. Like how, how much longer can you keep expecting your, your fan base to do this? And like, look at the ticket sales. People don't want to go because your team is trash. And the direction is, it's very much going in four different ways. Um, So if it like, if we're not a playoff team next year, I genuinely have no idea where I'm going to be sitting as as a fan because we we're at the mercy of Dorian and, and his internal cap. And it's not even an internal cap. It's just this piece of crap at the top. And we just have no idea how much he's allowed to do. And then, you know, being, being berated by some local reporter who has, you know, no credibility other than, talking about the sends so basically putting down readers every possible time he can. Yeah. I think today he said how the, the local scouts or whatever online, the, the local, yeah, the local Twitter social scouts, media scouts score. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't like the Hamannick deal or whatever. And I kind of don't know why, and, and this isn't Dorian, this is local sends TM reporter. Yep. Uh, but you know, I don't understand why they say that because this isn't just people online uh putting down a player that Ottawa traded for. Look at how happy people were when they traded for Joseph. Uh, at least yeah. for the most part, I saw a lot of people were happy and he's an effective bottom six player, so why wouldn't you be? And he's young, has upside. But 
like when you look at the Hamnick deal, it just didn't seem to make sense. And I think yep. Ian Mendez was was pretty spot on with one of his questions where he basically asked, like, you know, is, is Travis Hamnick like the top four defenseman you were talking about? And I think Dorian tried to almost navigate that very carefully. Uh, he, he essentially said that they think he could play in their top four, which I think is a half yes. But then he said in the offseason, if they find something to improve the organization, they would. So to me, that kind of seems like you're fence sitting because you're basically saying, well, if we don't find anything in the offseason, well, then we just didn't find anyone who's good enough to play in our top four. But uh, that's except not Hamannick. a good enough answer. Yeah, like you could say that, um, you know, yeah. if you don't find someone over the summer, well, oh, we believe Hamannick could fit the top four. But if you do find someone in the summer, well, then Hamannick is now blocking, I would imagine, one of JBD or Thompson from making the yep. NHL next year. Uh, but then again, Dorian also countered that and said, well, you know, JBD or Thompson would play over Hamannick if they're better than him, which then makes me go back to his point of Hamannick could fit into their top four. It's like, okay, so do they see Hamannick as a, a top four defenseman or do they see him being replacement level? Because it's just it's just weird. And yep. and so when you have an answer like that, it, it just is a little discouraging for me. Um, again, I like the Joseph acquisition. I was really happy with that when I saw he was the return. Fine with that. That's great. That's perfect. Um, but but yeah, like I think on the defensive side of things, I'm not sure what it is, but it seems specifically for for defense, they just can't get it right, and and that's really a struggle. And I think this offseason, if the Sens don't go out and acquire like a true top six forward who can play with Tim Stutzla and a top four defenseman who can legitimately make the case that they belong either on the first or second pairing, then I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like it's. It's ridiculous it, at this point. It gets, it, yeah, it makes you question your fandom when you're seeing other teams that are in similar situations doing making different moves. Um, I, I'm just becoming at a loss. Yeah, uh, Bennett, what did did you want to say anything about that? Yeah, yeah, I, I have a few things to to mention here. Um, I don't know if this is the last trade deadline that Pierre Dorian is going to oversee as Sens GM, but I think that it should be the last deadline that he oversees as Sens GM. Uh, If you told me that our pro scouting department didn't exist and it was just Pierre Dorian and maybe like Pierre Maguire, I would believe you. There is nothing in the moves that this team makes season after season that demonstrates that they have a single person in the organization who scouts professional players. Well, Dorian uh, said that he and his pro scouts with an S like Tamanik. Like, so I just, I just don't <laughs> believe it. Like, why would I, I mean, like, like they probably exist, but it's like, you know, in the case of like, we know how few amateur scouts that we have, for instance, like we know like from anecdotally and from like where we draft players and stuff that like we only have like six probably. And I don't know how much a normal NHL team has, but it's probably more than that. I'd be surprised if we had more than like two or three guys in our pro scouting department and they all should be fired because we can't scout pros. Uh, literally anyone with like, an internet connection and access to NHL.com could tell you that guys like Hamannick and Zaitsev and Josh Bown and Zach Sanford and Goodbranson and Coburn and Michael Dosato are not capable of helping this team improve. Like this isn't yeah. like a, this isn't, you know, like a, like a tinfoil, like, Oh, you have to really, if you dig into the analytical, you know, like the advanced stats and the analytics, you can see that these guys actually aren't as good as they look on paper. It's like, no, they fail the eye test let alone yeah. every other test that's out there. Like, you know, uh, we had Bruce Garriock like out here disparaging the online experts and stuff, but it's like, you don't have to be uh, a professional, you know, hockey person to sit there on TV, even just on TV and watch guys like Josh Brown play and Nikita decides to play and be like, these guys suck and they make our team worse and they make the players to play around them worse. Like it's not... Yeah freaking rocket science and the fact that our team like the guys paid to run this organization can't identify that is really disheartening and i know you want to get in here matt so just let me make one final point you know 
somebody said this on on Twitter, and uh, I think it was Ferrata, and this is a thought that was rattling around in my head too. If the Sens were like a franchise in NHL, like the video game, and you just like simmed everything, if you just let them automatically draft whatever best player was like consensus available in the summers, yeah. if you didn't make any trades and guys just, you know, aged out of contracts and then you replaced them with whoever you had in your AHL system, this team would be better. Like we would have a better team if we didn't have a GM. If yeah. we didn't have scouts or an organization or fucking anything, we would have a better, more effective roster than what we've been putting on the ice for the last like three seasons. Like literally, like the only thing that Pierre Dorian and whoever else is in the upper echelons of this team making decisions, the only thing that they're doing year in, year out is making this team worse. Yeah. And I you know, like I would at a certain love... point, you have to ask like, what is the point? Yeah, I would love to watch a game with these people or or even like local reporter because like I want to know what the fuck they're watching. Like I want to know if they see something that I'm clearly not. You know, I play hockey. I can I can recognize if a player is is a good player just by what they're able to accomplish within the the level of play that they are they're playing in you can recognize player deficiencies regardless of if you're a scout or not mm-hmm. you can look you, let's focus on number 21 oh he's he's good defensively uh, he often doesn't create a lot of offense, offensive opportunities. Oh, he just had a good shot. Let's watch number three. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, like consistent, um, you know, giveaways in your defensive zone, not being able to move the puck out of the zone, this, that, and the other thing. At what point can you just watch this, like, how do you just have a free pass with your boss knowing your crap at your job? And then when God forbid fans that pay money want to have an opinion about this, and then they get berated by local media guy and then the GM of the hockey team, Saying, "Oh, Twitter's not going to like it." Like, if also, Twitter's uh, not. Oh. No, 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 no. It was his. He was also saying how after he made the Hamannick trade, um, he hadn't gone on Twitter, and that his girlfriend told him to stay off of Twitter. So then he didn't check it. Yeah. So, at what point? At what point does does it become like? maybe somebody above him should say, you know, I think it is a little odd that you traded a third round pick for a guy that was on waivers. I understand the, 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 that portion of it. Um, But as a cap dump, it makes sense. But, but as a cap dump, um, the Vancouver was looking to move him. um, And then, you know, there are guys on like Chris Tierney still on the team. I don't think he had any value though. Let's be honest. Yeah. I, I mean, probably I'm so like annoyed by this and, you know, Bennett, I'll, I'll let you continue. Cause I know you, you probably had more in the chamber, but <laughs> I just wanted to say, I would love to watch games with these fellas and see what, in tarnation they're seeing that i'm not <laughs> yeah i mean i i feel uh those are all good points and i feel like i said mostly what i wanted to say um you know about like the direction of the team and the failures of our pro scouting and everything and i know that we alluded to earlier in the season the threat of well if we get rid of pierre Dorian, who takes his place because you know this is a team that can't attract, you know, talented front office people. We know that. Um, Ottawa's a fantastic city. 
you know, it's a lovely place to live. Uh, but the owner sucks and the team is badly run. And we're kind of a joke around the whole league, uh, Austin, Arizona, you know, um, and it's, uh, it's difficult for this team to attract, you know, it's just, it's so obvious that this team is run on just like a shoestring budget. It's like, I don't even see like the internal cap so much on the ice, but, um, like the internal cap for me, the impact of it is more uh, off the ice. It's the fact that we don't have decent pro scouts. It's the fact that our sc- our amateur scouting is bare bones and we only draft guys from either Finland or the U.S. National Team Development Program because those are clearly the only places where we have any fucking scouts watching players um you know it's like it's stuff like that that's killing us it's the fact that you know like we have a bad gm but we can't replace him because who would we get in his place you know who would want to come here uh like i said this before it's like when montreal fired bergevin when montreal fired bergevin you know like the whole world is on it's like up for that job you know it's like it's a it's a huge franchise that has money backing it and you know like it is competently run most of the time like every nhl team makes mistakes i'm not saying you're not allowed to make mistakes but you're not allowed to make the same mistake over and over and over again because then you get fired but yeah dorian there's no he has no you know there's no one breathing on his neck and he's not worried about losing his job because like he knows that like who's gonna come here. He's the only guy that's willing to put up with like Melnick and his nonsense. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, he can't ice a competitive team uh and he can't run a competent organization. And it's just like it's just it's so frustrating. And it's like, you know, I don't think that this team is heading in like a positive direction. We are like at best spinning tires. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, for every guy like Josh Brown that we offload, uh, we bring in a guy like Travis Hammond to, to take his place. And then, yeah. you know, in the offseason, we sign guys like Michael Del Sato. Uh, yeah. It's like, we're just like, we're doing it to ourselves over and over. And it's just so tedious. And I feel for guys like Tuchuk and Norris and uh, Batheson and Stutzler, who are the future of this team, who have to watch these just plugs come in every trade deadline and every off season who I'm sure they can tell in two practices are complete scrubs that aren't going to help the team at all. And they just must like feel like, you know, throwing, you know, throwing their gear down like a well and throwing themselves behind it because to watch like all the work that they put in every game and every season get undone by a GM who couldn't pick a talented NHL player you know, if, you know, if his life depended on it, if he could literally watch video of him and be like, yeah, that's a good NHL player. Listen, Dorian's tenure started with one of the worst trades in Ottawa history, uh, trading Mika Zibanejad to the Rangers for Derek Broussard. Oh, sorry. Mika Zibanejad and a second for Derek Broussard. Yeah, that is unequivocal. Don't forget, don't forget the seven. Oh, got oh that okay. Trade. That to me, what like so, and just to put it into perspective, I think Broussard was traded for either a fifth or a fourth today, um, and Zabanajad has seventy points, something like that. Yeah, uh, that set the tone, and it was not good. And uh, like, I'll say if you are an owner that has a couple billion dollars and you put $750 million into the Ottawa senators, I can guarantee you that if you hire a competent GM, this rebuild like is done by next year. Yeah. You have such quality pieces in place. All you need to do is surround them with other decent pieces because whatever we have now isn't working. And I'm not sure it, it will for, 
for next year. And I don't, I don't know when, when it will. Fair enough. Well, uh, I guess we can revisit this topic, I think at the end of the season and, and after the draft maybe, and see what happens there. If any trades, uh, depending on who Ottawa picks in, in the top five, where I assume they'll likely pick, uh, and, and kind of see where it goes from there and, and see what happens in free agency, um, which is usually dull as a Suns fan, but you never know. There's, there's always a, a Clark MacArthur type free agency where Ottawa picks or, up someone or a Michael Del Zotto. <laughs> or a Michael Del Zotto. Yeah, baby. Um, uh, so for everybody listening, watching, uh, we are going to have a guest appearance on the pod, maybe two in the upcoming uh, week or two. So look out for those. Cause we're very excited to have uh, those people join us. And um, yeah, on that note, uh, Anybody who's who's listening, watching, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit. Uh, myself and Bennett are both on the Suns Discord. Um, you can find us on all those platforms. The links are in our bios on our social medias. We have a link tree and you can click on that and find all the links to all our socials and wherever you find our podcasts. Uh, so thank you for listening and or watching. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening and go sends. Just sends. Okay, just we're gonna just gonna end it with a sensum. We're just gonna send them. I'm, I'm just apathetic, so sends. <laughs> All right. Whether they go or leave, <laughs> it's, it's entirely up to, up to them. Yeah. Okay. All bet. right. We're gonna hit you with a, a sends to end it off here, courtesy of other Matt. <laughs> Then. <laughs> All right, catch you next time, everybody. Gator Gators. <laughs>